Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. Bar, pour yourself a cold one. I'm Chris. That's Craig. I'm back. Uh, I've got the voice back. The COVID. I finally ended up on the COVID protocol list there, big guy. Uh, it finally got me. Yeah, I told him that you were on the uh, the IL. I didn't know if it was going to be a 24-hour IL. It turned into the seven days. So. Yeah, it was rough. I, I'm going to tell you, I had no voice. And, and it was funny, the, the night we were going to sit down and record, I was doing okay until about 3 in the afternoon, and about 4 or 5 in the afternoon, I was like, Craig, I can't do this tonight. I'm feeling terrible. And then the next day I woke up, I didn't have a voice, and I'm like, I'm not, not going to be able to do the show. And, I, <laughs> and then I just kept waiting for it to come back, and it did not come back. I mean, like, I was out for a week. Like, this is the first time that I've sat down in front of a microphone today, and I do four different podcasts on the Broadcast Basement On Demand radio network, and I haven't shut down for a week. Like, I just haven't been able to do anything. And I've been, you know, you you taking the reins on Bucks in the Basement, huge. Okay, I had other people had to take the reins on other shows. I had some shows didn't even air last week. So, I mean, like, and and every time I do something today, because I'm trying to, like, basically get all of these shows together today because everybody's got to get going again. And, you know, people are waiting for their podcast. I'm out of breath after every single one of them. Like, I, after I'm done with you, I'm going to go lay on the couch and stare at the ceiling for an hour and try to recuperate. And this is only a half hour show. So this thing kicked my butt like all week long, just kicked my butt. And I, you know what? And here's the thing about it. I had this theory about it now because we're always dealing with like athletes and are they affected by COVID, right? When they come back. And I noticed that like some guys, baseball players, like they have really tired legs, you know, football players yeah. have very tired legs. And it didn't attack my legs. It attacked my voice. It attacked the weakest thing in my body. The thing that gets used the most is what it attacked. And I, I had this theory when it attacked my voice and I was texting friends that had COVID and like, oh yeah, I went after this or went after this. Like if it's some kind of part of your body that you use a lot, like COVID goes right after it. Like I feel so bad for like porn stars. God forbid what COVID went after. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I had to go there, Chris. I mean, I was going to go with, I was going to go with how happy your wife was and your kids probably, <laughs> probably messed with you the whole week because they knew dad couldn't yell. And and Chris goes, he goes right for the juggler, and he's just like, man, I'm telling you, porn, porn stars have it hard. I know that's what exactly they do, or maybe they don't when they get COVID. I have no idea. I waited all week for that joke. I got that joke in my head about two days into not being able to talk to anybody <laughs> except just myself when I'm having conversations in my own head because I couldn't talk. And I've had that joke. I've been saving that joke for you for a week. So I'm glad I was able to get it out. How are you, my friend? What's going on? There's still a lockout. The Pirates are still terrible. We have developmental issues. Like, what do you want to talk about? Yeah, man, there's there's just really nothing going on right now. And I did see a report today. What is it? Monday the 10th that, that MLB is supposedly going to have a proposal to put to the ML to put to uh, the MLBPA 
in like a two week span or something. And I'm like, why are we waiting that long? I, I don't really get this. It basically means that everything that's come out so far after the last proposals that came right before the lockout, since then, everything else has just been mindless chatter, leaks, feeling out how the public will feel about, well, these this is what the, the GMs want. And, and this is what the, you know, the owners want. And this is what Manfred wants. And this is what the players want. And and most of that has just been okay. Let's just kind of let's just kind of dip our toe in the water and see what everything's going to be like. But honestly, there hasn't been any proposals, so there's been absolutely no movement. Well, I think it's a great negotiating tactic by the uh, the owners, and, and I'll fall back on the fact that I have multiple collective bargaining agreements as a nine one one dispatcher who was the head of his union. And I used to negotiate union contracts. I was elected by the group that I used to be a 911 dispatcher for. And I worked out two big collective bargaining agreement deals and a huge arbitration case at one point uh, that, that, that won like millions of dollars. I, I've been in these rooms before where you sit down and you got the lawyers on both sides. You initial the things that are going to be added and the changes, the language of your contract. And it's almost like trading cards at the end. And to me, I see Major League Baseball and the owners, at least you can see their strategy at this point is. We know that eventually the lower end ball players and the guys in the middle that can't survive for very long without playing, who can't really afford to go into the season without playing games, we think that when those guys, the pressure of a season approaching comes, they will put enough pressure on their union that we will get at least the things that we want done or we'll have them in the best position. And I think Major League Baseball owners want to really wait to give these financials so that the players have to scramble to try to get everything in a row and still try to be out there for the back end of spring training and the start of games. Because I don't think they're going to miss games, but I think it hurts the players more if they miss games than the owners right now. I think the owners have kind of figured out how to get away with this. I think after doing a 60-game schedule, the owners, I think, for if they're right or if they're wrong, they're feeling saucy. They're like, ah, if we got to do 140 games, we'll do 140 games. We're going to outweight these guys. And, and I think that by slow playing it, they're, they're basically sitting there showing like we're in complete control of this entire thing. And this is a negotiating tactic to wait as long as they're waiting. But you're starting to see now the team reps and guys that are actually union reps for the players show up on podcasts and get interviewed by people. And what I'm noticing is that they keep falling back on this. They want like a salary floor, but they don't want a salary cap. Well, there's no way that you're getting a salary floor without some sort of cap. You can't force a team to spend $60 million in salary if they don't want to spend it, but then say, but we want to be able to make as much money as we want to on the high end. You're going to have to give something there. And I think what the owners have almost done is said, all right, get all your ideas out there. Start fighting with each other. Start making, have people question your ideas and we'll just hold our ideas right here. And then let the court of public opinion start to figure out that some of the stuff you're asking for is kind of ridiculous. Because I'm starting to look at that saying, how do you ask for a floor, but you won't accept the cap? I mean, in the end, more likely they got a better chance of saying, raise the minimum for all these players. You know, make the minimum 700,000 or something like that. Like that that's how you create like a, like kind of a floor because the minimum for everybody is a little bit more than what it is. 
They have a better chance of that. But some of these ideas the players are throwing out there, it's like they want everything redone. They want the whole contract ripped up, and they want to start all over. And the owners are like, well, why even talk to them then? Well, we might as well just wait, put it up against the clock, and then they'll be forced to have to deal with us. And that's what I think is happening. Yeah, because, Chris, when it comes down to it, I mean, the owners, they're the bosses of, of Major League Baseball. And in any job, anywhere you go, who sets the standards? It's the bosses. So, I mean, the players can ask for, you know, whatever they want to ask for. But in the end, like you're saying, the the bosses will you said, listen to what everybody's saying. All this stuff's being leaked out. Max Scherzer's going on. Oh, poor Max Scherzer. $43 million man. Right. And he and he's crying like poor for everybody else. And and talking about tanking and and just whatever he wants to talk the about. The tanking thing is ridiculous too. How are you going to fix that? Let me tell you something right now. If you required Bob Nutting and Ben Charrington in this organization that we talk about right here with the Pirates, if you said there's a salary floor, we're going to prevent tanking. You have to spend a certain amount of money. I, as a fan, you know what I would want Ben Charrington to go do? Go grab some expiring contracts like it's the NBA. Okay. Grab $20 million at Dallas Keuchel and 20-some million dollars at Justin Upton and, you know, start finding all these bad MLB contracts. Your payroll will be higher, but that's not going to make you more competitive, is it? Your team's just going to be worth a little bit more and still suck while you're getting yourself ready in your rebuild to be actually competitive down the line. So that's not going to fix competition. This idea that if you tell teams that they have to spend more money will somehow make things more competitive That is not the answer to this. Now, you want to do things where you tie draft picks to certain incentives, or like I said, you change the minimum sale. There's other things you can do, but it's like this this message, and I think this is what MLB has done. I think this is what the owners have done. It's been brilliant what they've done. They basically have said, here's our proposal. The union came back and said, we want blah, blah, blah. They said, okay, we'll talk to you in a month and a half. And then he just got real quiet, and they've let them come out with these ideas in these interviews, and they look scattered when they talk. And what it'll do is it'll start to split the union because the union is much bigger than 30-some owners, right? I mean, like, it's much yeah. easier to keep those that little group of owners together and on the same page being quiet while the union kind of scuttles their own ship. And so th- this was all a plan, and it makes perfect sense. It was very good. This is it, it, what Major League Baseball's plan was, what the owner's plan was on this end. They so far seem to be executing better than the players. Yeah, and the other part that, that I keep on thinking about with this is that it's not even like the teams that can't spend money or quote unquote can't spend money that are tanking. You had the Astros tank. You had the Cubs tank at one point. You've had all these big teams. You had just before this past season, you had like the Boston Red Sox just basically cutting costs by cutting trading a player to get under you know a certain amount of money so it's it's just not the you know the pirates or the orioles or the tigers for a little while there whoever it would be even oakland like you know shedding payroll at this point in time like everybody does it to a certain extent there's only maybe two to three teams that never really try to shed payroll so the, the whole aspect of tanking to me, it, it if it didn't work, teams wouldn't do it. And when a when a team that actually has money like the Cubs or the the Astros look at it and go, oh man, I could spend less money for you know two three years here, 
and then come back and spend some money and have a better team, like why in the world wouldn't I do it? That's what the main point of the owners is right now. And I hate for everybody to think that it's like, oh, everybody cares about winning. Well, to a certain degree, but they're businessmen. And obviously what they care about is making money and what their bottom line is. So if they can do that for a couple years and still come back and be successful, you know, why in the world wouldn't they do that? So, I mean, Scherzer comes out and he he hits like the the lines of, for me, hits the lines of all the the major players in in free agency, the major players that are going to be out there getting money. It's like, well, we don't want tanking. We want everybody to spend. We we do we don't want this to happen. We yeah, but you know what? We do want a little bit money for the the little guys. But like you said, Chris, there's there's no way you can put in a, a floor without a cap. And it's just at this point in time, the players are the ones that are going to end up getting hurt. And, and that's kind of where my mind was going when like before the show when we were talking was like what this could do to not only the development of players in the major leagues for the Pirates, but also what it could do to development-wise for the players in the minor leagues. And, and this is where this goes to for me, is that you had a bunch of guys right before this whole lockdown happened that were added to the 40-man. You have guys that are coming back from poor seasons and because of injury. So take like a Cabrian Hayes. Pirates fans are out there saying, you know what? You know what? We can sit this hole out because we don't want to watch a crap team play for an entire year. Well, guess what? Cabrian Hayes, who had an amazing 2020 for a month, had a great game, then got hurt and came back and just kind of wasn't himself and has to work his way back into that. You're taking away a year of that development. O'Neill Cruz, who finally hit his stride after his injury when he came back and flew through Altoona flew through Indianapolis and came up and like basically, you know, showed us what he could do with just a flick of the wrist over the right field wall. He's going to be, he would be sitting for a year. Rowanzi Contreras, the guy who we got from the Yankees, who came in and threw six to seven miles per hour faster on his fastball than he ever did in the Yankees system and made his way the whole way up to the majors. He's going to be sitting. Leover Peguero, who was getting developed down in Greensboro. He got added to the 40-man. He's going to be sitting. He won't be in Altoona. You got Kanan Smith and Jigba, Jack Sawinski. You got Travis Swaggerty, who was already out for 2020 like everybody else and got injured nine games into 2021. The guy's pretty much already lost two years of his development. This would be another year of that development. I don't think that people understand that, yeah, it's going to, you know, there's going to be some guys that are going to be able to play. But then this is going to create even more of a logjam, which people will say, oh, yeah, great players, so somebody will find their way. But you can't have, like, this entire, like, encrusted thing up at top, and especially with guys who may not have taken the field for an entire year. It just boggles my mind that that would be some people's thought of how this could affect players. Well, I mean, that's the thing. And that that also goes back to why... I don't think the players are going to be able to hold out for as long as the owners can hold out because you have players like that, that also understand that if they don't get on the field, it's not, they're not going to get any better and they're not going to get paid. Right. You're, you're going to, you're going to eat away at what they're able to do. And you have guys in this pirates team. I mean, it does affect you as an organization. This is an organization that's struggling with development. The, 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 The prospects and the names that are getting picked up over the last couple of years are not coming along as quickly as they should. 
is a real issue already with the Pirates. And now, if you throw another kink into it, it's just another excuse as to why you're waiting even longer for your window to open, and will it ever open? And it's just more and more bad baseball. So, no, I don't think there's any benefit, first of all, to the idea that the Pirates don't play this year. That's kind of like a, oh, forget these guys. I don't need no baseball. All right, fine. But that, it, it doesn't benefit your team. You know, that's a, you, why would you cut your nose off to spite your face? Why would you want to not have baseball? Oh, forget these guys. We don't need it. You, you do. You want, the, you want them to play. You want them to be able to develop. You want them to be able to work out with the team. It's a detriment to them. And then, and then when you and when it's sliding back to the the these players and their negotiations, think about this. You've got young players right now that are like, I need to get better, and I need to perform so I can start making that money. And if you don't let me get out on the field because of this, then what's the point? You also have players. I mean, think about this other thing, and this this kind of popped into my head while we've been talking about it. Think about all the young players that have signed big deals like the Wander Francos, right, who made these big contracts where teams said, we're going to give you a bunch of money up front and we're going to pay all your arbitration years and your first, we're going to buy your first couple years of free agency and we're going to pay you now based on your potential. When that guy's not getting paid because he's not playing baseball games, this new contract doesn't benefit him at all. You know, there's all kinds of players out there that it doesn't benefit. The only thing that the, that some of these these demands by the players benefit are the traditional player who got drafted out of high school, right, or drafted out of college, uh, went through their couple of years, came up, did their three years of arbitration. They want to get the free agency a little bit more, and they want to make a little bit more money. But there's other players out there that have signed these long-term deals that are young, especially the international players, right? You're an international player and you sign a long-term deal, or you're just like some 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 prospect or something like that. You may be looking at this going, I, I want to just play baseball. So I, yeah. there are, there, it's not, not all these players have the same goals. And like you said, a guy like a Brian Hayes might be like, I want to get on the field and start playing. A guy like O'Neill Cruz is like, I don't know. I, what, you're going to, you're going to cancel my season. Like I'm on the cusp here, you know, I'll make my money. I'm not worried about it. There are all these different individuals. So yeah, one, I don't think that it's a, it's a, it's a benefit in any way. If it's a massive detriment to your team. Even if you're in a rebuild like this, if you don't get the if you don't get your season, so you need to have your season. I think you're going to have a season. I don't think they're going to miss any games here. But two, I also don't think that you're going to have a very unified player front. The closer you get to the start of games, because some of these players have motivations that are not just about money, okay? Or they already have their money thing worked out for now, and they're perfectly happy with what they're making, right? Yeah, but then you have a player like I was just thinking about it, like with with Brian Reynolds, who is about to turn twenty seven. He's going to turn twenty seven years old here in a couple weeks. If he's off for a year, he loses a complete year of his prime, and then he's twenty eight. And then you're looking to lock him into a deal. And are you going to lock a guy into a deal into like when he's like thirty four? Is he going to sign that deal? Or is he just going to wait and try to wait it out and then get a big get a big deal later on and take what he can get in arbitration? I mean, there's a lot of different stuff here. And like you're saying, Chris, we're not going to miss games, but if we miss spring training, are we going to see the same thing we saw last year from the Pirates in spring training where pitchers weren't built up? You're getting like three and four inning starts to start the year and then get back up to four innings because we were hoping this year – 
and we knew there was going to be a lockout, but I know in the back of my head, I just kept on saying, man, I just wish these guys could have like a normal off season. And if you get into it where if you're losing spring training and you're not getting time to get built up, even if you're losing, you know, what it would be to go down just even a few weeks into the season, by the time you get into the season, we're looking at the same thing we were looking at last year. And we're looking at guys who tired out at the end of last year, aren't going to be able to be built up at the beginning of this year and then may tire out at the end of next year again. And this is a year where we're trying to evaluate pretty much 10 to 11 starting pitchers to see what their role is moving forward, plus some of the guys that are going to be coming up from there. I mean, this would just cause an absolute mess for the Pirates. So for people thinking that, oh, you know what, then the minor league players can still develop, well, when you start to hear about players like Brian Hayes not being able to step on the field, Ono Cruz and Ronzi Contreras and Leover Peguero, I think that that may change your mind a little bit as to, you know, what could happen here. And then you have an even bigger mess with the middle infield, with the, you know, with the outfield and, and just a lot of players log jamming themselves and everybody trying to play catch up. Like you said, Chris, I think that at some point in time, the players are just basically going to say we already lost just pretty much. I mean, they got, they got paid for the, a, a part of a year, you know, in 2020, but even that was like kind of a, a little bit of a lost year of development. Well, hey, let's talk about Brian Reynolds. Cause I thought that was interesting how you brought that up. Let's use him as a case study. Let's pretend we're Brian Reynolds or we're, we're somebody that's advising Brian Reynolds at this point. Right. And he's got to figure out how he's going right now with this, you know, how he's going to vote when it, you know, when proposals are coming out. And right now, as he goes into the offseason, he's probably all pro-union. Let's just assume he's very pro-union. He's like, yeah, let's get everything we possibly can. Let's do this. Let's do that. Blah, blah, blah. As he gets close to the, the start of the season or where it should be, if this isn't done yet, he has to take a lot of things into account. He has to take into account that he had a strong rookie season followed by a 2020 that he was in the toilet and it was 60 games. And I always say, just discount those 60 games. Who cares? But somebody's going to use that when they're evaluating him. Okay. He had a good 2021, but if he doesn't have a 2022 or if he gets off to a bad start in 2022, now you're going to have a guy who's up in 2019, up in 2021, down in 2020 and struggled at some point in 2022. He's going to be looked at as an up and down player. It's going to cost him money, right? Now, he could yeah. be sitting there right now going, well, man, maybe I should have uh, signed that extension then, right? Maybe maybe I should just extend now before. And in fact, who knows? Let's say that they all of a sudden don't get the season started on time. He shows up at spring training and he's like, man, I'm going to have a slow start to this season. He might sit there and all of a sudden say, well, okay, maybe I'll take that extension. You know, yeah. like decisions are going to change month to month based upon whether or not these guys feel like, okay, well, am I going to have a lost 2022? Is my 2022 going to be affected by getting started later? Does it make sense for me? Like, is this deal good enough? Like, it might not be everything I wanted, but let's be honest. I want to get on the field because there's money to be made, right? And his motivations are going to be different from, let's say, a Max Scherzer, who's already got his money. He's done. Yeah. Max Scherzer is done. Every dollar Max Scherzer is going to make for the rest of his life is already written down on a piece of paper, and he's going to make it. And it's a it's an absolute pile of money. So when Max is sitting there on television talking about we're going to hold firm against the owners and a guy like Brian Reynolds 
Aronio Cruz are watching this on TV, at some point they're going to be like, yeah, but you already got your money, Max. And that's how these things break apart. You understand? That's, yeah. how, that's how these things break apart. The owners know that. The owners aren't stupid. They know that. And in fact, some of these owners have gone through this with generate. Some of these owners have gone through this before these guys were even born. Yeah. Okay. In 1994, 1994, like to me and you, we look at 1994 strike and we go, oh, that was just yesterday. No, it wasn't. No, it was a quarter of a century ago. <laughs> okay. I mean, 25 year old baseball players right now were born the same year that it happened. All right. These guys, some of these owners were there. They yeah. know how this works. You're just, you're just a, you're a group of fresh faced kids that think you're going to change the world. And they're like, yeah, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we already been there. And the thing with Brian Reynolds, like you keep on saying like, you know, Max, you already got your money. I mean, not that even if it was the arbitration, Based on like what Brian Reynolds had been making over the past three seasons and getting a bump to say what was the estimate of four point five million or if he can like kind of talk them into five million dollars. Right. That's a good chunk of change for a right. kid. I mean, right. like I can't lie. That's that's it's not everything that he would want, but you finally worked yourself up to the point that you've made it to arbitration and all of a sudden it's like, ho ho ho, hold on, we're gonna we're gonna have a little bit of a lockout here because we need more money from the owners. Some of these players are going to be like, no, 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 no. I, I kind of worked my way up here. I, I need my money now. If you want to beat, if you want to beat the players, what you do is you try to figure out what can we propose that will get the majority of the players to say, "I'll vote for that." Right? That's what you do. So you could go after the group like the Brian Reynoldses of the world that are sitting in arbitration and go, "Okay, here's how this works. When you make the All Star game, you get a guaranteed one million dollars more on your arbitration number." What? Yep. Arbitration is going to be these set things. You guys get these accomplishments. It means money for you in your arbitration years. A guy like Brian Reynolds is like, man, I can make the all-star game. Like, that's money, right? You, yeah. you, if you sit there and you say, okay, fine, we're going to do, uh, we're going to keep pretty much the same thing in terms of service time, but you get one less year if you're a certain age. So if you're like past the age of 28 or 29, instead of us having control of you for six years, it's only five, Right. You start doing these little things, and that's what I think Major League Baseball's owners are going to do. You'll start pulling 40 players here, 60 more players that like that over here. Next thing you know, you've got the majority. And guys like Scherzer might be talking on TV, but they don't even have the votes anymore because the majority of their group, they've signed contracts. They're young and they're in development. They don't want to wait out too long. The owners don't need to give the players what the players are asking for. They just need to figure out what can get us the majority of player vote? Because if there's a majority of player vote that would take what the owners are offering and we get close to the start of the season, the union itself will turn on itself when you have a big giant union and a very small management. This is negotiating one-on-one. So that's what this, this is why we're waiting. This is why they had the owners were going to lock out. This is why they weren't going to have any serious discussions. This is why they sat there and said, okay, fine, we'll get back to you guys later. They all had very nice Christmas vacations. They celebrated the new year. You know, they they took a vacation to Cabo, whatever they did. You know, they went and hung out in their mansions. And now they're like, ah, we're going to get you some financials in a couple of weeks. They're just messing with them. Because what they're doing is they sat back and they listened. What they're doing is they're sitting there saying, okay, where are the votes at? How do we get the largest amount of players to like what we're giving? So that they start telling their union reps on phone calls like, hey, man, I'm not sitting out this season for this stuff. I'm good with the deal they're offering, right? 
And that's what they're going to do. And they're going to make sure that when they put their proposal out, that their proposal is going to be beneficial to 51% or more of the union. And then they're going to sit there and they're going to dig their heels in and they're going to wait for that 51% to sit there and get closer and closer to the start of the season and start telling their union reps, I want to vote on that. And they don't have to do anything else. That's negotiating 101 right there. Yeah, Chris, I, I think you just, you just basically solved it. Like I said, dude, I gotta get, you got to get you in a room with somebody, some of these guys and, and get you talking to them. Because, I mean, it, it makes me feel better about the whole thing because I was just like, my God, we're going to lose this whole season. But now thinking about it, it's like, my God, the owners are just basically playing the players. It is very, very hard. I'm going to tell you this right now. As somebody that, that was ahead of a union, it is very hard to keep your union membership together. People have different things, okay? Where, you know, I mean, I remember when I did a union contract and the the contract itself benefited everybody overall exponentially, but it didn't benefit the people that have been around for 25 years as much as it benefited the people that have been around for 10, okay? Now, it was the best deal, and there were more young people than old people. So when it got to the point where they had enough young people that would take the deal, even though it didn't benefit the older people, the younger people had the votes and was and were yelling at me like, we want to vote on this. You understand how this works? Like, like yeah. not everybody was happy, but the moment the proposal was good for the majority of people within the union, the other side just had to sit back and wait for those people to come and complain and say, we want to vote on this. There's not very much else you could do with it. At some point... The majority of your membership is going to like a deal, but not everybody's going to like it. So if you're management, that's what you're trying to do. And like we just talked about today, these players are all in different positions in different parts of their careers and different they have different goals, even on the Pirates. That's yeah. why I don't think this thing lasts too long, because they're, they will find enough people that like the proposal they come up with. And we, on the other hand, will be continuously treated like garbage because all we are is the fan who loves the game and got an entire offseason ripped from us. Like, we get no benefit to this, you know? And then we and we still keep coming back because we're idiots, because we love baseball. Yeah, and, and we'll be back next week. I mean, we'll be back. I'll be there opening day. If there's an opening day, I'm there. I know. I know, like an idiot. Just sitting there, right? Take my money. Take my money, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing but this.